Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. On today's show, Brian talks with NBA insider and expert Rick Buecher. But I believe that if it wasn't for the technicals, if it wasn't for that, that if there were signs that DeMarcus was coming around and and maturing, that they would not have traded him. Now, with Sports Business Radio, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by the Sports PR Summit. Come join us on May 23rd at the Players' Tribune in New York City. Invite only. For 125 senior PR executives, go to sportsprsummit.com. We'll have NCAA executive Oliver Luck, the father of Andrew, and one of the top executives at the NCAA. And ESPN features reporter Tom Rinaldi on hand. They'll both sit down for featured conversations at the Sports PR Summit, May 23rd, sportsprsummit.com to register. On the show this week, Rick Buecher, NBA insider, host on Mad Dog Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. He's a senior writer with Bleacher Report. He's the co-host of the BJ and Buker podcast with BJ Armstrong, longtime friend of the show and also my partner on the Sports PR Summit. So we'll talk NBA, NBA All-Star Game, big trade with DeMarcus Cousins, and uh, we'll talk some Sports PR Summit with him coming up on our show. Today I'm joined by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, what's going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's a good day. I was uh, we were just talking about with Rick and talking the NBA, and I don't know if you watched the All Star Game and the All Star Weekend, which was pretty much a joke. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really disappointed with uh, what it's become. I've got friends with the NBA, but here's my take on the NBA this year, and, and I want to ask Buker about this. I have never been less interested in the NBA than this year. Keep in mind, I used to work for the Trailblazers. I grew up an NBA fan. And here's one of the things that really concerns me, Griggs, is because of the fact that there's a new CBA and you have average players, better than me, but average players NBA-wise, making so much money, average guys making $80 million, I see less passion, I see less drive, and I see a lot of, as I would call it, fat cats who got paid and who just aren't as inspired. And I think the season is so long that a lot of guys wait until maybe this time of the year to hit the turbo boost and turn it on and and make the run for the playoffs. And then, obviously, they play hard in the playoffs. But I think the new contract structure is a bad recipe because you've got guys who are middle-of-the-road guys playing on long-term, guaranteed, fat-cat contracts. And I think if you add those things up, it's not a good recipe for the NBA, and and I'm a little concerned with what I'm seeing. I think you're right too, and I think you have a point too. It's like I you start seeing the teams ramp it up now. All Star our week is over, and <clears throat> they just start playing differently. They start playing more inspired. And the playoffs are in reach, and you're right. The first 40 games or whatever, it's like okay, is that do we need that many games to get us to this point? But when people start actually playing ball, I don't know. Yeah, and then All Star weekend, I just there was nothing. The game itself 
was a joke. Yep. I mean, there was no defense Nothing. at all. It was a <laughs> half court shots. Yeah, <laughs> I, look, great to see great athletes out there, but when they're basically just going through the motions and yeah. you know doing what they were doing, I'm just not that into it. And then the Saturday night was disappointing too. The dunk contest I thought was a big disappointment. You know, no one's heard of. Glenn Robinson, the second or the third or, you know, whoever right. won. And, and, you know, th- when I was growing up, it was Jordan and Dominique. It was Larry Nance and Dr. J. Yep. It was big names that came out and they cannot get the big names to come out. The skills challenge was nice. It was nice to see Porzingis, a big guy, you know, win that. Um, the rest of the weekend, I just wasn't inspired. I think they need to make some changes. Is it three on three? Is it one on one? Do they need to come up with sponsors who have, you know, lots of prize money to entice some of the superstars to participate in these things. But it's just, it's been a few years now. This is a trend. This isn't like, oh, this was the first year this happened. It's been a few years now. And I feel like the NBA All-Star Game has lost its luster. And you could say that across all sports. The Pro Bowl with the NFL is facing this problem. Major League Baseball All-Star Game is facing this problem. Is it time for All-Star Games to be done away with? I mean... I don't know. I understand the whole sponsor level and, you know, you have Intel, who's a sponsor of the league, using a drone to drop a ball for uh, Aaron Gordon during the dunk contest. You have Kia on the patches of the NBA All-Stars. Like, I get the business elements of it and why you want to activate your sponsors. I get all that. But from a fan perspective, I think it was really boring. So uh, I'm kind of over it. So, Griggs, some headlines. DeMarcus Cousins traded to New Orleans. The way this went down was really weird. So it happens right after the All-Star game. Kind of hijacked the All-Star game, to be honest with you. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins is doing post-game interviews, and someone whispers in his ear, you've been traded to New Orleans. And, you know, you see his reaction caught by several uh, media outlets. Vlade Divots says, I had a better deal two days ago, and... You know, we didn't make it. Is that throwing his owner under the bus saying he wouldn't let me make the deal because he couldn't make up his mind? Or is that Vlade Divac being incompetent thinking, oh, you know, maybe there's going to be a better deal coming, so I'm not going to make a deal? I don't know. The Kings front office and ownership has taken another huge hit this week. Boogie Cousins is no saint, but he's a top 10 player. And you pair him with Anthony Davis, now New Orleans becomes relevant. Sacramento becomes irrelevant. I pointed out on Twitter this week. Forbes just came out with their franchise values, and New Orleans was the least valuable franchise according to the Forbes list. This changes that. You've got two top 10 players on your team now. Your team automatically just became more valuable, Griggs. Isn't that crazy how quickly, like one little trade like that, and you've got two teams going opposite ways now? Right. I mean, completely, just like that. And you're right, it was handled weird. It was weird how it was at the conference and whispering. I can't imagine... You know, being that, being cousins and getting that information at that point. But, you know, it happened and that's how it came out, came out. But, uh, yeah, big trade. And, you know, I mean, you always kind of, you always look forward to that. Like every year, there's always something like that that right. mixes it up for the NBA, which is, I mean, I think that's kind of cool as a, as a fan. I think it's, it's fun. It misses it or, you know, kind of keeps you inspired and like, okay, new teams to look at. And now I can watch New Orleans more and see what happens there. So I don't know. I think it's kind of cool, but, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We will talk more NBA with Rick Buecher coming up on the show in a bit. I talked to a very uh, well-placed source last week, Griggs, and the source told me, and I tweeted this out, watch for Seattle to land an NHL franchise. Uh, they feel like the league 
is 100%, not 95%, this source told me 100% committed to putting a team in Seattle. And we know that Chris Hansen, the developer in Seattle, has said, I will build an arena if someone brings an NHL team or an NBA team. He wants to be part owner of the NBA team. For an NHL team, he would simply be the landlord. But he needs one of those two teams in order to build the arena. So watch Seattle closely. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be till NBA is back in Seattle. I've always thought NHL would go back first or go first. But this source told me last week that he feels Seattle, and from everything he's heard, is 100% going to get an NHL franchise, uh, and we'll keep our eyes on that. Last headline, Daytona 500 is this Sunday, Griggs, the Super Bowl of NASCAR racing. And, you know, something I'm really watching closely is the return of Dale Earnhardt Jr. So he had concussions, some really good articles this week out there about what he battled through blurred vision. Obviously, you lose confidence. This is a big race. He's gotten married now. He seems like he's a changed man since all of this happened. And I'm really interested to see what his return looks like. He won't sign a long-term commitment with uh, Hendricks Racing because he wants to come back and see, A, is he healthy? B, you know, does he still have the passion to race? But Daytona 500, always a big race, but with one of the biggest names in your sport returning to racing, that's going to be another thing I'll be watching closely. It's a big story, and uh, I'm not a huge uh, race fan, but I do like watching the big ones, you know, because it, it always comes down to some crazy finish, and it's fun to watch. But uh, yeah, I think it's big for the sport, I think it's big for the audience, and uh, it'll be a fun to watch, I'll be watching for sure. All right, coming up next, Rick Buecher, NBA Insider, is going to join us. We're going to talk NBA trade deadline, the big DeMarcus Cousins trade. We'll talk the rest of the season. What does the NBA look like the rest of the season? And I want to ask him, because of the new CBA with NBA contracts and guys getting paid lots of money that are, I would say, you know, 5 through 12 players on your bench, has that hurt the NBA? We'll talk to Rick Buecher. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Rick Buecher. He's an NBA insider. He's with Bleacher Report as a senior writer. He's co-host of the BJ and Buecher podcast with BJ Armstrong. 
He is a host on Mad Dog Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. He's fresh back from New Orleans. Rick, how are you? <laughs> I wouldn't say fresh. I'm back. <laughs> You're tired back fresh, from... Fresh might fresh not, might not be the, uh, the, the appropriate adjective, but it was... Uh, New Orleans as a as a as a spot for any big event is a, a pretty cool city. They just happen to have the All Star Weekend uh, the same time as the first week of Mardi Gras. So I did a lot of walking around that city and got to know it very well because it was really the only way you could guarantee getting around. And uh, it was. Uh, it was interesting. We should talk about it. Why don't yeah. we talk about it? Let's talk about it, because here's one of the things that some people may not realize, is the yeah. NBA All-Star Game was originally slated for Charlotte, and then yeah. due to politics, it got moved yeah. to New Orleans. So, you know, usually, Rick, and I've actually worked on All-Star Game bids before when I worked for the Blazers, you're preparing for the All-Star Game at least a year out. You're reserving a block yeah. of hotel rooms. You're making sure... Everything's in order, and this kind of came together at the last second by NBA standards. How did that impact things? Oh, it, it was people were scattered all over the city as far as hotel accommodations were concerned, and and I don't know if this was part of the 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 fact that Mardi Gras was going on, or that it was more last second, but the security was ramped up in a way that I've never experienced before. And mm-hmm. it's been a year or two since I made a concerted effort at the all-star game to, uh, to move around as much as I did. And some of this has to do with the fact that people were just spread out at various hotels, but the, like I, I didn't pick up my credential, my actual credential until Saturday because they had cr- the credential office, which is usually in the media hotel they had it at the Superdome. So you had to go out to the Superdome, and I would say out, but it, it is basically downtown, but it's separate from everything else. You had to go over to the Superdome to get your credentials. And so I was just meeting various people at various hotels, and you couldn't get into hotels without security. There were the, the Players Association had a hotel that they've started the last couple of years of getting their own dedicated hotel and they had a tent outside, and I was, was just wanted to walk down the street to go to the hotel. I was meeting Baron Davis there, and a police officer said, I, "You know, you, you can't you can't walk down there without a credential." I was like, "Wait a minute! I can't even walk down. I can't even walk by the hotel wow. without a credential." And fortunately, I've been doing, I've been covering the NBA long enough that you know, either one place or another, whether it was the Ritz Carlton or. I think it was the Troubadour or wherever, whatever hotel it was, there was, fortunately, there was all, if, if the actual security, hired security or police officers didn't recognize me, somebody from the NBA was working there and said, oh, no, you can let him go. You can let, you can let him come through. But I don't know if I, if I didn't, if I hadn't been covering the, the NBA for, for a couple decades now, that I would have been able to move around as, uh, as easily as I did. Wow, that's interesting. And then, you know, they always have the Tech Summit on Friday, and mm-hmm. they have the, what is it, the Celebrity All-Star Game on Friday, NBA All-Star yeah. Saturday, which I got to tell you, just the whole weekend, and, and I didn't watch every second of it, and I was yep. watching on TV, I wasn't there, but it just, it's really lost its buzz to me, Rick. I, I've, yeah. you know, I've 
grown up around the NBA and used to work in the NBA and I remember the big names coming out, Dominique and Jordan for slam dunk and Larry Bird and Reggie Miller for three point. And Mm -hmm. it just doesn't have the same luster to me. And when you see, I I thought the weekend jumped the shark when you have Intel, who's a sponsor of the league, having a drone drop a basketball during Aaron Gordon slam dunking. I was just like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. And then we've got the Kia patches on the all-star jerseys. And that's fine because the league is moving to patches next year. But I just feel like it's a weekend now that is thrown together for sponsors and some fans, but it really doesn't have the same kind of shine that it, it used to have. Yeah, I th- there's, a, there's a couple of reasons for that. And by the way, you should mention that not only did they have a drone with Intel plastered on it dropping the basketball, but that the, the dunk attempted off of the drone dropping the basketball was a total fail. Uh, it, 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 right. That only added to it. I mean, it it, uh, it almost emphasized the thing because I talked to uh, a number of people about that very thing. The the most the two most entertaining events to me were the U.S. World Game on Friday nights. I think they call it the I don't know if they call it the Rising Stars or used to be the Rookie Soft Game, and then they realized the guys have had a year in the league already. Uh, are in their second year are going to have an infinitely better chance of beating up on the guys that are halfway through their first year. Right. And so they changed it to U.S. versus the world, which uh, I find far more compelling. And there is, like, there's that built-in competitive element. The guys that are coming over from Europe still have something to prove. The guys from U.S. want to prove it's still uh, our game. You, you have you have motivation there that I think that, that, that adds to the game. And it's a completely different feel than on Sunday. And then the skills challenge, which again, uh, Christoph Sprzingis, I believe beat Gordon Hayward in the, in the final. Right. And it was, that was, that was entertaining. And I, I honestly, I wish that the entire weekend was like that and that we got, we got rid of the, uh, of the game altogether because I don't know that there is a solution to making that game what we expect it to be. Now the dunk contest, was a disappointment in part because we had one for the ages last year with Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. And I think a lot of people thought Aaron Gordon was going to come out and replicate what he did last year. There's a young kid from Phoenix named Derek Jones Jr. who looked like he had Zach Levine-type hops based on some of the YouTube uh, highlights that I saw. So I thought maybe, maybe the dunk contest would come through. But I, the, to, to answer the question as to where it's gone, and I think that the, the drone example is a perfect uh, illustration, is that the weekend in general has become more of a corporate event. Right. It has become more about the sponsorships. It's become more about uh, the advertising, about making good with the corporate sponsors, feeding, uh, feeding them uh, both F-E-E-D-I-N-G and F-E-T-I-N-G. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so that trickles down to the players and the actual competition. The events really feel like they're secondary to the majority of the weekend. And so we, for, you know, anybody from the outside who's just watching it on television, you don't, you don't have a feel for all this other stuff that's going on, but the players do. And the players are involved in a lot of that. And so whether it's the shoe sponsors or it's the corporate uh, sponsors, the shoe companies or 
you know, the, the various people that are glomming on to the all-star event, uh, that, that's what it's really become. And that just wasn't the case back in the day. And I will say, I did, we just recorded a podcast with, uh, I just report, record, rep, um, recorded a podcast with BJ Armstrong and he talked about when Michael went to the all-star game, what his men, what, what his mentality was, what his approach was and why it's so different today. And it's, it's, it's a graphic reflection of the difference in the mindset in the players that are showing up now versus the players who were showing up before. Yeah. I mean, when you have Jordan, who I imagine was in that, you know, killer instinct mindset when he'd go to all-star, when you have Larry Bird, one of the, the famous stories of all-star weekend walking in, you know, the locker room before the three point contest and basically say, yeah. you know, everyone else is going to finish second today. Yeah. Like I, I got this you guys thing. Are, which one of you guys are going to be second. Right. Yeah. Uh, you don't yeah. see that bravado anymore. It's, it's almost like, there's no competition. It's just like, well, I'll go out and go through the motions, and whoever wins, wins. But if I lose, you know, I won't get that upset. And then you have someone like LeBron who, at this stage in his career, people always ask, well, why has he never done a dunk contest? What's the upside for LeBron? I mean, there's only downside for LeBron doing it. He's already got exposure. He's already got tons of money. What incentive are you going to give him to compete yeah. in the dunk contest? You're not. So he's not going to do it. Yeah, and... Well, and that's the thing because I, you know, with LeBron now, there's no, reason, there's absolutely no reason for him to do it. The fact that he passed on doing it early on, which right. is always considered sort of a rite of passage for every player, but again, it kind of shows you uniquely where the business aspect of the game changed that because LeBron already had a big enough reputation to protect, not to build, uh, because of how he was handled. You know, coming out of high school, it was he had an image to protect. Uh, and most guys got into the dunk contest because they wanted to prove something. And so that that's why that was uh, that was ultimately avoided. But it, it goes even deeper than that uh, because we now look, and I think some of the players even look at it, but Russ Westbrook is like one of those exceptions. Russ Westbrook is out there playing hard, wanting to prove something, wanting to win MVP, and we look at it, and I, and I get the sense, if it's not from players, it's from certain people are, like, are looking at it saying, well, Russ, relax. Like, Russ, why are, you, you know, why are you going at it so hard versus everybody else? I, I think it's almost become like uh, a, uh, an, a distraction or an insult or you're doing something wrong if you're taking it seriously. And Russ Westbrook is a perfect example of that. He he stood out as a guy who is not there to make friends, is there to win. And I honestly, I think it's why Kawhi Leonard didn't want to play in the second half, why he begged out, because he's from that San Antonio mindset. I know there's, you know, I've known other players who just, they didn't want to play in the All-Star game because it's like, it's not a real game. What are we doing here? Like, what are we doing here? And it's usually the guy's, that don't care about the shine, that really just love playing the game. Right. Rick Buecher is our guest, NBA Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Let's move on from All-Star. It's trade deadline this week. Already Mm -hmm. some big trades going down. The DeMarcus Cousins trade to New Orleans. So many layers to this thing. But first of all, it happens 
really while they're doing post-game interviews after the All-Star game. So you got to see DeMarcus's reaction in, in real time. Uh, Anthony yeah. Davis was able to, to weigh in a little bit. But, you know, you're in the Bay Area, and I look at Sacramento as a mess in their front office and their owners mm-hmm. indecisive. Lottie Devots, God bless him, nice guy, but I don't know if he should be, you know, heading up basketball operations for an NBA franchise. And I thought it was really interesting, too, Rick, in that when Vlade did his interview after the trade, he said we had a better offer on the table two days ago. That was really candid information, and I wonder, is that yeah. partly throwing his owner under the bus, saying, hey, he wouldn't let me make the deal, so I had to take this one? Or is it showing the incompetence of the Kings front office, saying, hey, maybe we should have taken that deal, but we thought there'd be a better deal coming along? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why you would reference that I, I, in any way. I don't know why you would say, "Yeah, we could have done something better two days ago." It, first of all, if you're the GM, I mean, if, if for any of us, the value of throwing your boss or your the guy who writes your checks under the bus, I'm not sure. I don't know sure, sure what purpose that is. It serves in terms of of doing that. I do know that they were interested at one point in trading DeMarcus to the Orlando Magic for their first-round pick, uh, Nikola Vucevic. Uh, I believe that was the, the, the cornerstones. I can't re- uh, I don't remember now if it was Evan Fournier and uh, the first-round pick or uh, there was an additional pick that would be thrown in there if Fournier was not part of it. Uh, the bottom line is that they were not going to be able to make an equitable trade. And uh, it's easy for all of us to handicap or second guess when we're sitting, when we're not in the midst of it. And none of us will truly know just how difficult it was to work with DeMarcus or what kind of issues. I know I talked to people in the organization and there were people there. They were just, we, we, this is not going to work. You know, we have to move him. And my thought is if, if you're going to do that, then you have to make that decision as soon as DeMarcus becomes an all-star, as soon as DeMarcus proves he's the best center in the league, that's when you move him. Right. You move him as soon as he has reached a level of value uh, where people are, are looking more at, wow, he's really become great, as opposed to He's really become great, and the Sacramento Kings continue to lose. What's the problem? And all of these other issues come out. It's either that, or you give him the extension. You because again, this is a guy who said that he wanted to stay in Sacramento, that he wanted to be there. And I genuinely, if you see the saw the the videotape of him saying goodbye to Sacramento fans, I believe that was genuine. Uh, then, then you you try to build a culture that is going to help him mature, and you stay with him because I don't know that Sacramento is ever going to be able to say, certainly not any time in the near future, is going to say they have the best player at any one position in the NBA. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine that they are going to have a talent uh, as big as DeMarcus Cousins. And so you have to make one of those two decisions, and this is why when you are sort of all over the map, as Vivek Ranadive, the owner of the Kings, appears to be, 
this is what happens is you keep making these impulsive decisions and generally it's it's going to backfire you on a backfire on you at some point and looking at what they got from New Orleans it's a reflection of that they they didn't get a that not only did they not get another building block player in that deal uh, they don't even have the hope of one coming from the picks that they took in this 2017 draft is expected to be pretty good. Yeah, and the other thing too, you know, again sticking with the business side of this is you tell the agent of DeMarcus Cousins, we're not trading you. And I know from talking to some agents since the trade, like this is our agents going to trust the Kings going forward. What I'm hearing is it's going to be pretty, they're going to be hesitant to trust the Kings going forward because they were so adamant about, we're not going to trade you. We're going to sign you to a max deal. At the end of the day, Rick, this costs DeMarcus Cousins a lot of money. He's still going to get paid more money than most people will see in several lifetimes, but he's not going to get that $200 million plus contract that he they would can. have gotten. Right. Yeah. So yeah. no, no, no. That, yeah, it's a it's a big issue, and I, it's actually BJ BJ now works as an agent for Western Media Group, and I asked him about that. You know, uh, Jaron Akana, the uh, agent for Demarcus, was very direct. Was quoted as saying, "The Kings have assured us that he's not going to be moved." So that that's what we're going on, and then he gets moved, and you know, BJ said, I, "Look, I." I don't trust anything that any owner says <laughs> because if they say it's not going to happen, then uh, I'm doing my intel around the rest of the league to find out. And so here's the thing. I, I don't know if Jaron was just saying that to put the heat on the Kings, but the fact of the matter is there was enough conversation going on around the league that other owners and other, I mean, other, other teams and other agents would have told you whatever the Kings are saying, you can't believe that because uh, Cousins was, people were exploring the uh, the possibility of acquiring him, even even in the midst of Vladi saying, we are not. Now, here's the, here's the other problem with, a, with an organization like the Kings, is that one hand doesn't always know what the other is doing. Right. So you can have Vlade feeling like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to try to build around him, we're going to try to do this, and then you have somebody else in the organization who's calling around trying to mine interest to see what they could get for him. And that can create problems uh, as well, And because nobody knows what to believe, and Vlade could be sincere in saying, I wasn't talking to people during you know a certain period. And I honestly, I feel as if, if it weren't for the 17 that he received. It, w- it wasn't for, there was an incident um, that I was told was a factor after they beat Golden State, uh, the Golden State Warriors in Sacramento. Um, DeMarcus was in a hallway headed toward the locker room and there were some Warriors fans there, clearly identifiable. One of them was wearing a Warriors Warriors jersey and he just, he screamed at in their faces, F Golden State. And and gave him the, gave him the finger, and I know there's there's Kings fans who, when I put I tweeted that out there, or when that became public, they're like, well, why why is that an issue? I that I want a player who does that. They don't they're they're not recognizing the the public image that that creates of a fan, not I mean of of a player a player as physically imposing as Demarcus 
getting in the face of fans that are there, and obviously fans who are uh, probably uh, preferred fans because they are in that tunnel, in that hallway. Uh, it's just a bad look, and it there was a lot of behavior there that the Kings were concerned about and ultimately was was part of that entire thing. It wasn't just one thing, but I believe that if it wasn't for the technicals, if it wasn't for that, that if there were signs that DeMarcus was coming around and, and maturing, that they would not have traded him because they know how talented he is. They know. I, I, I do sincerely believe that this wasn't a complete lie where they have been trying and trying and trying without reservation to move him that it was they tried you know they they they, they tried at times to see what was out there and, and this is the difficulty too is that sometimes teams are, are are calling you all the time and then putting it out there that you know their their conversations about the is happening uh i i do believe there was a point at which the kings were ready to go forward with Demarcus. It just the behavior never changed, and they finally got to the point they said, we're, we, "You know, it means starting from scratch, but we we're, we're not we don't believe that this is ever going to change, and so we're going to make a move now." Forbes just came out with their franchise value list, and New Orleans was ranked dead last. Yes. I said earlier in the show, you've got two top ten players on your team now. You can bet mm-hmm. New Orleans moves up the list and Sacramento moves down the list. And it's just an example of how when you trade a player, whatever the baggage is of Boogie's magnitude, it's going to impact your franchise value. So Tom Benson saw his team increase in value this week and the yeah. Kings ownership saw theirs go down. And I know there's a lot of other elements. Trade deadline coming up this week. I don't think Carmelo is going to get moved. It's too complicated. He makes too much money. He's got a no trade deal. There don't seem to be good matches out there. But Jimmy Butler, that seems to be the hot name. Jimmy Butler to the Celtics or the Celtics who seemingly have shopped their assets for the last few trade deadlines. Are they finally <laughs> going to cash them in for, for Jimmy Butler? It's a fair question. Uh, you know, the latest that, I've, that I had heard was a little bit like Carmelo. Uh, there's a better chance of Jimmy being moved uh, and Car- Carmelo being moved uh, around the draft when you know exactly what you're getting back because in 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 um in both of those cases those organizations are looking for draft picks they're looking to add young talent to some of the other talent that they already have and uh and so i don't know if jimmy is going to get i I do believe he's eventually going to be moved i could see where it doesn't happen by the trade deadline, and in part, you know, the Boston Boston has consistently overvalued the picks that they have, and not realized that they don't have as much leverage as they think they have. And and this is where you know when teams get all excited about we you know, we have all these first round picks, it's like yeah, but but you can't use all those first round picks, and teams have sort of become wise to that. So they're not going to give you everything. Because if you're stuck with the picks, now you have to take players and, and you know, look, look at the collection of young players that the Celtics have taken with those picks. They have yet to find that marquee player. Uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas they acquired from Phoenix. And I don't even know that I would qualify him as a guy that you build around for all that they've done. Isaiah Thomas doesn't scare me in the postseason 
uh, it, it, he's a he's remarkable because of what he's able to do at his size. But when you get to the playoffs, you, if you watch the way they play, Isaiah Thomas, for all the scoring that he does, teams don't try to double-team him. Teams don't try to take him away that opens up other players. And he's not the kind of playmaker that if you do double-team him, that he's now finding the guy that's open. It's, it's one of the downsides of just the size that he has. He has to work really hard and be really efficient scoring being able to score and make plays is is just a little bit more than than he has so i i will be the 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 bulls are an interesting the bulls are actually a a perfect example of the business of the nba because i've also heard they've toyed with the idea and they were in the talks for okafor of trying to add a piece and maybe make the playoffs this year and then rebuild this summer because the value of the monetary value of making the playoffs, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's millions involved right. in simply making the playoffs. And so they've contemplated doing that. If it, as long as it doesn't mean that they're going to uh, suffer the luxury tax. And then the other part is that, because of the TV revenue, because of the other revenue streams, that it's like Jerry Reinsdorf and and uh, the owner of the of the Bulls and Michael Reinsdorf, his his son, they're they already are making a profit. They're already guaranteed uh, a profit because of all of those revenue streams. So we sometimes look at it and think. You know, whether a team wins or loses, the the amount of people that are coming to your games, uh, look at look at the two teams that are at the top of that Forbes list, the Knicks and the Lakers. Look where they are in the standings. Right. And look where they've been in the standings the last couple of years. It's why, as much as New Orleans getting DeMarcus Cousins, I'm sure you're right, it will lift them up a little bit. But uh, it, it's not going to lift them up that much, even if it turns them into a playoff team, because it still comes to what's your corporate base, what's your market size, what's your local TV revenue, those things, it's, it, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around it, but those things mean more than what your average attendance is. I, I, you, the average attendance used to be like the thing that we looked at as the monitor for the health of a team or the league, and I don't know that people look at that anymore. No, I would totally agree. I agree. I have a theory on the NBA. Last thing on the NBA before we move on to Sports PR Summit for just a few minutes. Rick Buecher is joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Here's my theory. The new collective bargaining agreement, and the superstars are always going to make their money, right? But what we've Mm -hmm. seen in the last I don't know, nine months, 10 months is, and I'm going to use, he's probably going to hate me if he hears this, but I'm going to use Alan Crabb as an example from the Blazers because I'm in Portland. Mm -hmm. When you start seeing guys like him making $80 million, Evan Turner, um, there's, I would say the fifth through 13th guy on the roster, when they're making 70 or $80 million guaranteed, it's turning into a fat cat league and I'm a little concerned and I've seen that, I think, more so than any other year that I can remember so far this season. 
yes, your your superstars are always going to play with urgency and they're going to bring it every night. But some of the other guys that have gotten those big contracts, I don't see the same motivation they had before they got the contract. And I wonder, Rick, is this money going to because it is a long NBA season. Is it going to cause a lot of guys to coast, and then after the All-Star break, they'll start putting their foot on the gas a little bit, and then playoffs, they'll turn it on. But you're paying a lot of money for a guy who is a role player on a bench who may be coasting for most of the year. Yeah, I I had this conversation with one GM who thought that the the splurge uh, last summer of guys like Alan Crabb and any number of guys who got, who got I think it was Tyler Johnson from... Miami couldn't believe he was getting the money he was getting. He right. literally said, I, I'm not this kind of a player. I'm not worth this. I'm, I'll take it, but I'm not worth this kind of money. That that you're going to see a uh, a market correction. That And and it's still, those guys are going to be making a lot of money because the money is there to be made from the TV revenue. Uh, and so the cap is, is, is higher than expected. But that you are not going to see quite the same numbers. And as a result, a lot of agents are going to get fired because they're, they're going to have free agents this summer that look at what guys signed last summer and say, well, I want that. And the money's not going, the same amount of money is not going to be there. That's, that's the smoothing that uh, Adam Silver and the owner suggested when this big bonanza of TV money came in that suddenly jacked up the, uh, the salary cap that Adam was suggesting that they they introduce it a little more slowly, and uh, the players' uh, association chose not to do that, and so you had all these guys making this big, big these big contracts unexpectedly. That that's not that that's not going to continue, and I would say some of it is just the psychology of it. That yeah, you're right. I mean, anytime somebody makes like five times more than you're, you're always the bottom line is you never know how any one player is or any one individual is going to react when they finally get paid and they know that they are secure for the rest of their lives. Now it's a matter of are they going, what, what is their motivation? What are they attempting to prove? How much do they love the game? How much do they, is it not about what they're getting paid or earning that big payday? But I want to show who I am as a player, and this is what I want to achieve as a player. That question is always there the first time any player signs that second contract. Sometimes it's with the first contract, depending on you know how little money they had and how big their rookie salary scale contract is. But we just saw more of it. We just became more aware of it because we had – more players that struck it rich uh, last summer than we've ever seen. I mean, everybody who signed anything struck it rich. And so the test of their commitment to the job, we just saw more examples of that. And as a result, you saw more indications of guys who, you know, I I don't even think it's intentional. I mean, I think it's just human nature where the – you know, suddenly the the check, no matter what, no matter how you do your job, the check is just monstrous. And that extra workout, that extra commitment, that extra getting up early to get a, an extra workout in, all of that does not seem as 
necessary. And as a result, guys do backslide like that. But I think it's, I think it's a little bit of a, a little bit, we're a little more conscious of it because of what happened this last, over this last year, then it's a, a a sea change in what's going on in the league. Rick, before I let you go, I want to mention Sports PR Summit. We work on that event Mm -hmm. together. It's going to be in its fifth year. It's May 23rd at the Players Tribune in New York. It's invite only for 125 senior PR executives. And you're going to be sitting down with Tom Rinaldi for a featured conversation at the event. And I'm a big, big fan of Tom's. I think he's one of the best storytellers in sports. I know you guys know each other a little bit from your days uh, back at ESPN, but uh, Mm -hmm. really looking forward to the event again this year, and it's fun to see uh, what it's grown into. Oliver Luck from the NCAA uh, and the father of Andrew will also be at our event for one of the featured conversations, and we've got a few tricks up our sleeve to announce still, but uh, good lineup, and it's fun to see you know, top PR people, top journalists, and top athletes come together for a day of uh, learning and networking. Yeah, I think that uh, what's really exciting for me is just to see and hear the buzz around the event, that people are valuing the event, and when this, you know, this was basically your brainchild and the idea that there was value in bringing top journalists and the top PR people together to better understand uh, how both sides of that aisle operate and, and in, the, in the new world that we live in, how we better understanding the challenges faced by the other side can help both sides do their job better and where we can work together because there's been so many indications of uh, separatism and, and alienation and, you know, put a build, uh, dig the moat and put up the drawbridge because we need to keep people out or we need, you know, we need to circumvent the PR people depending on which side you're on. So I, I, uh, I just in, you know, my travels and business dealings during the year, uh, hearing and seeing people getting excited about the next iteration of the sports PR summit has been has been really gratifying, and it's a reflection of the people that are now attending and taking part in in it that uh, that it has become a meaningful event on the sports landscape. One of the uh, roundtables that we're going to have, and we'll announce the panelists soon on this, but it's basically going to be a conversation about athletes who are taking a stand on political and social issues and then working with PR to develop strategies around how they want to key message things and get that message out. And then also, uh, you know, how do you amplify your message? And you and I both sit in locker rooms through our work with Everything is on the Record, our firm where we do media and social media training. And I can tell you that I tell athletes when I'm in there, don't just kneel down. Don't just, you know, make some action. Like, you've got to put it on the bulletin board, what you're putting behind it. So do you want to see changes with better training for the police? Do you want to see better treatment of minorities? Like, what is it that you are specifically asking for so we can impact that change? And the people we're going to have on this panel are amazingly well-spoken. Um, they are out there speaking their mind on things, but they're doing it in a smart way, and they're doing it with their PR people. And, and I'm excited to have that conversation because whether it was the recent election or just the world that we live in today, maybe it was 
you know, the passing of Muhammad Ali, it seems like in the last year since we had our last event, the number of athletes who are speaking out on issues off the court or off the field has really exploded. Yeah, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that you have guys that have uh, a little more financial independence. It's a little, you know, the, the concern always was if I speak out, I may get cut, I may lose my job, I might be a, a pariah when it comes to working in the league. There are guys now that um, that that feel as if, you know, I this is important to me and I'm going to take a stand and it's as important to me to take a stand and voice, uh, let my voice be heard it's a little bit easier when you you have a certain amount of money in the bank where if you if you do lose your job if you are no longer uh on a team that it's it's not undermining your ability to take care of your family so uh i think there's some of it and we've also seen i think one of the other driving elements here is that like Colin Kaepernick or Colin Kaepernick didn't intend to become the focal point he was just having his protest and uh and it was captured uh on you know by by a reporter i believe taking a, a photo or a video from the press box and it blew up into you know what's he doing and why is he doing it david west is now with the golden state warriors it turns out after the fact he has been protesting for years by just taking two steps back and not standing in the in the anthem line and it really it's exposed a couple things. It's one like, well, okay, okay, if if you're doing this, why are you doing it secretly? You know, if you're going to take a stand, then let people know what the protest is about and why you're protesting, because otherwise it looks like you're quietly protesting. So you have issues, but you're willing, you're not willing to really step out and explain them. Uh, and, and the result of, you know, what we talk about, in uh, in our our sessions with uh, everything is on the record is the fact that everything you do is be prepared that anything and everything you do is going to be captured and become public fodder because of today's age where everyone is is part of the media everyone is paparazzi and so you better be you better be prepared to explain or back up whatever it is that you might be doing. And we will have a, a prominent female athlete on the panel, too, because I look at like what the U.S. women's national team has done sure. with equal pay. And, you know, Megan Rapino, right after Colin Kaepernick was kneeling, she was kneeling. So there are women out there taking a stand as well, whether it's the WNBA, U.S. women's national team. I know for years, tennis, you know, finally at Wimbledon, there's equal prize money there. But tennis players have said, hey, you know. Why aren't we making as much money as the men at some of these tournaments? So it's yeah. a it's a long list, but uh, I'm excited about the athletes that we'll have there. We'll also have a, a prominent PR rep on the panel, so we have a PR voice on the panel as well. But everything's shaping up nicely, and I know you've had some good conversations with people lately about uh, potential ads to the event. So sportsprsummit.com is where you can go to find out more information about the event. Rick Buecher, NBA Insider. Again, you can find him on Mad Dog Radio. That's Sirius XM Channel 82. You do an NBA show on Sirius XM. You write for Bleacher Report. You're co-host of the BJ and Buecher podcast, which I know you can find on iTunes, and you can follow him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Rick, thanks so much for taking the time. You got it, friend. Talk to you soon. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back.
podcast this show, and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back with more SBR after this. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is David Stern. He's the commissioner of the NBA. It is always a pleasure, Brian. Bill Hancock, he's the executive director of the Bull Championship Series. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. My guest is Mickey Loomis. He's the executive vice president and general manager of the world champion New Orleans Saints. Pleasure to be with you guys. Mr. Allen, thanks for joining me. Thank you. My guest is Mark Emmert. He's the president of the NCAA. Oh, happy to join you. My pleasure. My guest is Eric Spolstra. He's the head coach of the Miami Heat. Brian, appreciate it. Glad to, glad to be on the show. Mr. Nicholas, it's an honor to have you on Sports Business Radio. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Brian. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our free iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We're back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thank you to Rick Buecher from Bleacher Report and XM Satellite Radio. And you can find him on Twitter at Rick Buecher. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thank you to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at Tagboard for providing the social media visualizations for our Sports Business Radio Roadshow events. They'll also be at the Sports PR Summit. Follow them online at tagboard.com or on Twitter at Tagboard. Podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand anytime. Just find us on iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio, or rate it in the top 100 business news podcasts. You can always find our show at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're on Audio Boom app. We're on TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps as well. Lots of places you can find us. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 50 sports business must follows on Twitter by Forbes for 2014, 2015, and 2016. A shout out to the Louisiana State University Sports MBA program students. Lots of you followed us this last week on Twitter, so thank you for that. Lots of students following us on Twitter. We appreciate that. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. We'll see you next time right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. 
For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. 